thankful for this church. We're thankful for your support uh, over the years. Amen. And uh, it's amazing, but with giving, uh, you really can, you can't purchase a soul, but you can help and you can be a part of a great kingdom effort. There are, very, there are a lot of very small churches that make amazing and huge impacts around the world uh, because they give. They do. And it's not what we see here because we're so easy to judge uh, what's happening just by based on what's happening in this building. But if you could just see what's happening around the world and the souls and the people and the lives that are being transformed, uh, there is no dollar amount that you can put on that. There's no dollar amount you can put on that. It's all about his kingdom. It's all about what he wants in our lives. And the giving, the sacrifice, it's nothing like it's a one-time thing and I did it and now I'm done. It's, it's a lifetime. It's a style. Because I want God to know that he can trust me. He can trust me to bless me. God didn't bless Abraham just because Abraham was special. He blessed Abraham so that he could be a blessing to all the nations of the world. And God doesn't bless his church just because he loves us more than he loves churches in Africa or in Brazil. He blesses the church in America because he knows that now we have the responsibility to, in turn, be a blessing. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying here? We have that responsibility that to what has been given me, I need to in turn give. Amen. I wonder if we can go to the book of John chapter 7 here. And I don't want to speak for a long time. I do want um, to speak on missions. I, I am a missionary. Um, and um, what the role of the church is and what we need to be doing. Amen. And I'm so sorry to the sound team. i um, throwing you a curveball here. John chapter 7 and verse 37 40, I'm so sorry, 37, 38. <laughs> How many of you love our sound people, amen? <laughs> they have to deal with preachers like me who just call audibles all the time. John chapter 7 and verse 37 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow forth rivers of living water. Amen. And I want to speak for a few moments today with the help of the Holy Ghost on there is more. Can you turn to someone and say, there's more? Turn to somebody else and say it like you believe it. There's more. Now, I'm not going to turn to my wife and say there's more because there's no more children. <laughs> We're done. But when it comes to the things of God, amen, there is more. I wonder if we can lift up our hands one more time. Lift up your voices with me, and I wonder if we can pray for the remainder of this service. Senhor nosso Deus, nessa manhã nós te damos graça e honra. Obrigado por tua presença que está aqui nesse lugar, Senhor Jesus. A ti, que o Senhor tenha a sua liberdade a mover e fazer a tua vontade em nosso meio, eu oro em nome do Senhor Jesus Cristo que o céu vai descer nesse lugar, derrama a seu, o seu Espírito sobre toda a carne para que nós podemos ver e presenciar milagres, Senhor Jesus e, e maravilhas e pessoas sendo cheias da tua presença em tudo te damos graça e honra obrigado por tua presença, eu oro para que eu possa ministrar as suas palavras e não as minhas, para que meu coração seja ligado com teu coração 
coração e para que o Senhor possa fazer exatamente o que o Senhor está querendo fazer nessa manhã em nome do Senhor Jesus Cristo. In the name of Jesus we pray. We thank you and we love you. And we're believing you, God, for great things in this morning. God, I pray for every soul and every person that's here represented that came in with a need. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that that need would be met, that you would pour out your spirit, that you would heal those who need to be healed, and that you would do exactly what you would want to do in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Come on, can we do it one more time? In Jesus' name. Can we give a hand clap of praise one more time unto the Lord? We love you, Jesus. We honor you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Obrigado, Senhor Jesus. Tu és digno. You're worthy. Amen. In the name of the Lord, there is more. Uh, I'm just going to go out and say, and, and you can be seated here. Um, a lot of times we settle for less when we know there's more. We're all guilty of that. Um, you know, like a wet rag and you have to wring it out. And if you keep wringing it, you get more water coming out until it's almost dry. And sometimes in the same way we come to church and we know there's more than just getting a touch. We know there's more than even just feeling his presence. We know there's more than the goosebumps that will appear on our arms and our neck. We know that there is healing. We know that there is change and transformation that God is offering. But we also know that to get that, we have to go a little bit more and try a little bit harder and push ourselves beyond a zone of comfort. And we settle for less when we know there's more. We do that so many times in our personal lives and our affairs. Many times, let's just admit it, you're underpaid and you're overworked. Can I get an amen? And if you work for the church, please don't say amen. Maybe you're intimidated to ask for the raise because you don't want to rock the boat. Have any of you worked a job that you just didn't love? Yeah, of course you have. And we settle, even when we go think about this, we have to get a car for our deputation, a vehicle, a van, school bus whatever it is that can fit our family. And we go to car dealerships, right? And how many know at car dealerships, they're not pushy at all. They're not going to, they're not going to try to oversell you on some gap insurance. And they got this special coating, right? The special coating that's going to protect your cars from those really harmful sun rays. And when you listen to the, to the salesman, you know you're getting taken for a ride. <laughs> you know you're getting ripped off. But a lot of times what they're banking on is that you settle. And that you kind of just say, well, only for $7 more a month. What they don't tell you is that it's going to cost you like $80,000 by the time your car loans up. That you can have this type of insurance. And I'm so sorry if you are a car salesman. You can meet me at the table and buy some coffee and we can talk it over. I'm just but you settle when you know that you're getting ripped off. And that's all well and good if you settle on the things in life and all this kind of stuff and overpriced cars. But it's not okay when we come into the house of the Lord and settle for just a little touch. Settle for a small visitation. Because can I tell someone in the house of the Lord today, there is more for you than just a touch. 
There is a transformation of life that can happen today in the house of God. There's more than just a touch for your depression. There is the comforter, amen? He is the prince of peace still, amen? We just had a situation in our church where a few weeks ago, we were here on deputation, and I got a call from the pastor now, this pastor of the church that we're starting and uh, that we started, and he was saying that a situation, this lady who uh, clinically depressed was suicidal, and I said, you got to go to her, you, you got to go visit her immediately, go as quick as you can, and I said, but when you go, I don't, you know what, all this kind of coaching stuff and whatever and motivational speeches, those are all well and nice. But I want you to go on the power and the authority of the Word of God. And when you go into that environment, I want you to bind depression and suicidal thoughts. And I want you to lose, amen, peace and love and joy in the Holy Ghost and pray with an authority. She was pregnant and she was wanting to commit suicide. She had threatened to commit suicide. Can I tell you that he told me that this last Sunday she was there at church. She had a big smile on her face. She said, ever since you visited our house, I've been better. I've not had any of those thoughts. I feel the presence of God that's with me. Because why? There is more than just a touch for depression. There's more than just spiritual Tylenol that gets you day to day. Just in time to get to church and pop another one and you feel better. I want to tell you today, there's more and his name is Jesus. Jesus is enough. He is everything. He is the answer. The Bible is not a collection of just a bunch of disconnected stories. The Bible is God's story of himself to mankind. It shows who he was, who he is, and who he's going to be. And it's definite and it's settled in Scripture as truth, and it will forever be settled. And that word and that settling and, that, and that, that word that we have is the basis on which we do missions. It is the basis on which we reach people. We're not going out into Sao Paulo and just saying, hey, you want to be a part of my church? No, it's, hey, do you want to be a part of the body of Christ? Do you need a healing? Do you need to be delivered? Do you, do you need your depression changed over for joy? Then you know what? Come to the house of God. Because everywhere else in the world is just offering you a touch. But God is truly here to give you a change. How many of you are thankful that he is what he says he is? That he is the alpha and he is the omega. He's the first and the last people. There is none other beside him. You know what that means when he's the first? It means that he created all things. It means that he is all powerful. And it means that when everything else has passed away and has been burned into stubble, he will still be here. Because he is all powerful. He is almighty. He is all knowing. And he is here this morning to touch someone who is hungry for his presence. The Bible says that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is our Provider. How many of you guys provided for you when you needed help? Come on, lift up that hand. Don't be ashamed now. Come on, when you really needed something, God provided for you. You know, a lot of times we cry out how much we need help. Oh, God, I need some help. And God gives you the help, and you know what you do? You stop crying about it. I want to be that guy that continues crying, not about my problem, my situation, but about how God came through. And provided for me when I most needed it. Amen. It's biblical. The Bible says in the children of Israel, he said, hey, you're going to build memorials for your children. 
Not for you. Not to celebrate what you did. You didn't do any of this. But when you pass through the waters, I want you to build a memorial. Because your children need to see that I am the provider. Hallelujah. That God is powerful. That he is mighty. That he is great. There was a time, and, and when we were starting the churches, we started at the end of 2019 in a rented hotel room. And from that one church in the center of Sao Paulo, uh, branched the church in Brasilândia, which is in the northern zone uh, uh, of Sao Paulo. And we just felt good about it. God was moving, and uh, things were happening and clicking into place. And I felt like it was time for us to sign the contracts uh, for two buildings, rented buildings, because it's in the city of Sao Paulo. It's just uber expensive. Yeah, I think New York City prices. Uh, but for Brazil, and we signed the contract for two uh, buildings, one in the center of Sao Paulo and one in the northern uh, neighborhood of Brasilândia, and that was in February of 2020. <laughs> the church buildings were such a mess. One was a carpenter's, was a, a woodworking shop, and I would be like, oh, God, this is such a mess in here, but, you know, maybe you like it because, you know, you were a carpenter too. <laughs> Feel at home. <laughs> In this woodworking shop that is just so destroyed, we, we, we worked tirelessly for weeks to get it ready, the churches, and we're painting, and we're getting everything ready for shutdown, lockdown, COVID. Flatten the curve, they said. Two weeks, they said. Was that here too? And we literally signed the contracts for two buildings, could not have church services in them. And it's a new convert church doing online services. I'm like, this is the worst possible situation. Dear God, I really missed it. Who signs the contract, 2020 vision, you know, for two churches in February of 2020? What a mess. And I'm like, God, if we could just open, if you could just open it up and we can have services, we might have, actually have revival. And I felt a strong rebuke from the Lord and said, hey, am I not your provider? Did I not call you to do this? Do you not think that I can move in the middle of a pandemic? I said, all right, God. Well, it came to be on a Sunday. We had paid two rents for two buildings, so four rents on our own. Uh, and that was about all the money we had. We didn't put up anything on Facebook like, oh, help us. Oh, my gosh. We're, 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 uh -huh. We didn't do any of that. We just said, God, if, you, if this is really you, you're going to make a way. You're going to provide a ram in the thicket. You are going to be our provider. And wouldn't you know that Sunday, our rent was due on Monday. It was a third month's rent. And we were about to have to call the property owner and tell, her, and tell him, hey, uh, sorry, <laughs> we don't have it. And on that Sunday, a pastor from Canada called me and said, hey, a member from my church called me. They were doing online services too. And she said to me that she had a vision, a dream of a young missionary couple in the city of Sao Paulo. And she asked... Do you know a young missionary couple in the city of Sao Paulo? He said, yes, I do, actually. It's the Andersons. They're starting a church there and all this. He said, okay, well, that's great. Well, the Lord laid upon my heart this amount to give to them. Can I tell you that when you took that amount from Canadian dollars and put it into Brazilian reais and translated it over and all the exchanges and all that kind of stuff, it came down to the dollar amount of what we needed to pay for the rent for those two churches that month in the moment of need. You can't tell me that God is not our provider. Amen. He is our provider. He's our provider in health. He's our provider in finances. He's our provider spiritually. Come on, don't limit what God can and cannot provide. He is our provider. He is the one who gives you exactly what you need in the moment that you need. 
He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the one who heals me. Oh, aren't you thankful that, you know, God has a way in which he can take away the, the reproach of what sin brought into the world. Because sin came into the world, disease came into the world, and all of, all of that, 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 that came with it. But because he is a healer, he has the ability to heal people from disease and from, and from depression. And it doesn't have to be physical. It can be emotional. He is our healer, amen. And he's not just our healer, but it says he's Jehovah Shammah. He is our one that is present. He's there when nobody else is there. You know what's amazing is that in Brazil, we're so far away. We're a 10 and a half hour flight from Chicago, nonstop to Sao Paulo, 10 and a half hours. And don't you know that it's amazing that family and everybody else can be so far away, but God is there and he's present. I don't serve a God that's just present in church services or in conventions or in North America Youth Congress. I serve a God that is present in the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, I wish somebody would give him praise this morning that God has been present for you when you most needed him. That when you just cried out and said, Jesus, I need you, that he was there and he was present in that moment. He is everything to us. He is wonderful. He is our counselor. He is the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the mighty one of Israel. Can I just tell you that the increase of his government, there shall be no end. What am I saying today? I'm saying that don't settle for less when God is all. Why do we settle for less? You know why? It has nothing to do with our intelligence. It's got nothing to do with our might. It's got nothing to do with what we have in our pockets. People say, well, well why, does, why does God do all these great miracles in South America and in Africa and all? You know why? Because people aren't putting their intelligence in front of God and their money in front of God and fixing all of their problems ahead of God. They don't have anything but God. So when they don't have anything but God, you know what they do? They rely on God. They trust in God. Oh, they listen to God. They say, God, I need you to move on my behalf. <laughs> and you know what would happen if we would just get out of the way of ourselves? You know what would happen if I just put my intelligence my, and my rationale on the back burner for a minute and just praise and worship the one who created me and believe him, we would see God do the same exact things. You know why? Because God does not, he does, he is not, he is not, an, he does not make exception of people. He doesn't judge someone as, oh, you're from this culture, you're from that culture, you're from this place and this socioeconomic background. No, he responds to hunger. He responds to those that are wanting and expecting him to do exactly what he can do. We don't need to limit God. We need to trust in him. There are some that limit God and their vision to just a little bit. And because it's a little bit, that's what they receive is a little bit of touch, a little bit of growth, a little bit of anointing. But my Bible says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding, what's exceeding? A lot. Abundantly. Oh, so much that you can't even control. Above all that we ask or think, according to what? The power that worketh in us. You know who God's choosing to use in these last days? 
not the smartest, not the most intelligent, not the most capable. He's choosing, those, he's choosing to use those that are willing and able to believe in him and his power and that put themselves into action and believe that God truly is going to do what he says he's going to do. We're not just talking about moderate changes. That's not what the Bible promises us. The Bible's promising us an end-time revival that is beyond the scope of what we could ever imagine. It's beyond the scope of what can fit in this building. It's beyond the scope of what I can control with my hands. It is a revival that will push past barriers, constraints, and limits. We're going to need to build a lot more. We're going to need to develop a system of home Bible studies much greater. Why? Because there's not enough buildings that can house the revival that God is wanting to bring to this world. But you know what everybody has? There are 23 million people in the city of Sao Paulo. Let me just get my calculator out here real quick. It's a lot of people, right? Let's say we want to get 100. We have a church that seats about 100 people. That's a normal church in Brazil. Just to reach Sao Paulo, we would need 230,000 100-person churches. There's not enough land. There's not enough buildings. There's not. There's not. 230,000 churches that have 100 people. Oh, we're not going to reach everyone. Okay, I get that. Let's say we're going to reach 20% because the parable of the sower and the reaper, right? It goes out and falls on good land, falls on stony ground, falls on you know, ground with thorns, falls on ground that doesn't have any, any depth. So, okay, let's just say that 20% comes in. That's 2.3 million people. How are we going to reach 2.3 million people with that statistic of a 100-person church, we would need 23,000 churches. 23, are you getting that? That's a lot of churches. That's a lot of building projects. And I'm all about the building and everything. But what I'm about is looking to God and saying, God, if you're going to reach a city like Sao Paulo, 20% of the population, 2.3 million people, I believe that you can do it. I believe you can reach 10% of the population. I believe that you can do that work. And I believe that it's not going to be because we're going to build 23,000 churches. I believe that it's going to be because the church is going to get into the house. Because there might not be 23,000 buildings available in Sao Paulo. But you know what is available? A house. A building. A home. A cardboard cutout that's under a bridge. There are people in our churches, they live in these abandoned high-rises. They call them invadidos, prédios invadidos. They're invaded buildings that are high-rises, and uh, the drug gangs will kind of portion them off and put up some just wood and make these mini apartments, and you have to have permission uh, to even go inside these buildings. They're controlled by the drug lords, and I've been down in these buildings. You go down in the basement, and it's the worst possible place you can possibly be in the world. It's dingy, it's dungy, it's, it's awful. But even in that environment, God is able to move. Even in that environment, they can read their Bible, they can preach to those that are in that building, and you know what they all have? They have a space that they call home, that the Word of God can still go into and make an impact. What are you saying this morning, missionary? I'm saying that we need to begin to expect God to do more in these last days, more than what we can personally do and control. I'm believing God not for less. I'm believing him for more.
We had a pastor say last deputation when we were traveling around the United States saying we're going to start a church in Sao Paulo. And we were talking about starting a church in Sao Paulo. And, and from a church started four churches. And I learned my lesson. I got to expect more. Amen. We had a pastor say, hey, buddy, there's a reason that there's never been an apostolic church in that city. It's because of the spiritual oppression. It's because of the witchcraft. And you know what? There is a lot of spiritual oppression. There is a lot of witchcraft. In Brazil, witchcraft is, very, is, a, is a very open thing. They have witchcraft centers that are across the street from our churches. Literally, places in which they go to, to worship the devil. <laughs> and when we started these churches, uh, they would go against us. And my goodness, these dolls and voodoo things would show up in the front of our door. Uh, they would burn these fires. They have these all night where they would beat on the drums, summoning spirits and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm not saying that to be like, ooh, that's all scary. No, I'm saying to say that the power of Satan is so much just less than the power of God. It's ridiculous. You know what we did? We called a seven-week prayer and fasting at the church. We were starting the church, so it was just me, Tiffany, just say, his wife, and Mayada. There was like five people that would show up. And we did seven days of prayer and fasting. We prayed. We said, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would come into this place. We bind the spiritual oppression and witchcraft that's across the street. And we did that for seven days. You know what? At the end of the seventh day, we didn't just say, oh, God, can you just pretty please do it? No. We said, God, we're believing you that you're going to do it and that you're doing it right now. And we lifted up our voice and we began to worship God in victory. You sang about victory this morning. Amen. And in that moment, we felt it. We all felt it. In that moment, the walls fall down that were the oppression that was across the street, these witchcraft centers that were trying to go against our church. And from that moment on, they didn't, they stopped beating their drums at night. They stopped putting stuff on the front of our door. They stopped messing with us totally. And you know what happened because of that? Neighbors in that neighborhood in Brasilandia started showing up to the church and saying, hey, what happened here? Because you know what? These people have been messing with us forever and they've been beating their drums and doing all this mess and their loud music and they've been quiet ever since you guys got here i'm not okay with living with oppression i want to go in in the power of the name of jesus and declare those that are captives are going to be free and you know what the secret is the devil tries to tell you it's not is that this is for all of you it's not just for pastor or missionary or staff or lay members or those that go to Bible school. This is for every born-again believer. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? Because you're going to be witnesses unto me. The power of the Holy Ghost that we receive is in context of witnessing, of doing more, of getting outside of comfort zones. And I remember this pastor saying, it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your family. And you know what I do when someone tries to speak some non-prophecy into my life? I don't do it there because I'm not going to frustrate them. But when I get back to the car, I was like, nope. Not accepting that. That word that was spoken over me. That unfaith that was spoken over me. Because my Bible says different than what doubt says and what fear says. Was it not the apostolic primitive church that went into all the world, including the major city centers? Is it not the word of God that says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? Is it not the word of God that also says that no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper? I'd rather believe Jesus when he says, I've given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. We got a lot of those in Brazil. <laughs> He's given you power to tread over them. And over all the power of the enemy, 
and nothing by shall any means hurt you. We need to stop expecting less when God is promising us more. I know we, we, we come in with this, you know, bold vision, 99 neighborhoods of Sao Paulo, 99 churches. And I know that's a nice catchphrase, but my goodness, what kind of work that it, I mean, that, that freaks me out. That scares me. It's like, how? I'd like to know as well. But all I know is that God is able to do it. And I'm not going to expect less when his word has promised for his church more. We can have great revival in the Amazon. A lot of the reason because we can build floating churches. We've helped build two floating churches last term. Floating churches. Okay, they're on floats on the river. You don't have to buy land. $7,000 builds a floating church. Pastor, wouldn't you like to build a church for $7,000? You can't get a building appraised for that much. I mean, I don't know. It's like the cost of everything is so crazy. And the center, in the center of Sao Paulo, it's not like that. It's expensive. There's not a lot of land. There's all the reasons of why we can't do it, but we do have one reason of why we can do it. It's because his word has promised us that he will do it. That this gospel shall be preached to all the earth, and then the end shall come. And behold, I saw, John said in Revelation 7 and 9, a great number before the throne of every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And it was so great that it could not even be numbered. It were the unreached tribes in the Amazon. It was the back alley favela slums in Sao Paulo. It was a great number. And John said, I saw that number. And you know what we need to do today? Is we need to let our faith arise so that we can too see what God is seeing. God, I don't want to just see the reality. You know what anybody can do? Anybody can see the reality and say what the reality is. You're just, that's just called a news reporter. <laughs> There's a fire. Okay, we can see that. I can smell it. I can touch it. <laughs> Things are bad. Yeah. You're stating the obvious. You know what not most people can do? Speak to things that are not as though they were. And say, God gave in my soul, in my heart, a call. And I believe that he is going to fulfill that call. And I see that call. And I'm going to work towards that. You know what I love about the church? The church is able to bring things into existence that were not into existence. It's the only entity that can do that in the world. Everywhere else is working with brick and mortar and with materials. But God is working with souls. His body is bringing about change in lives of people. And I'm coming to a close. The musicians will come back. We didn't have, when we first went to Brazil, a dream team that everyone has when they open up churches, you know. If you're opening up a church and your music is great, God bless you, but that's, that's, those are people from other churches because, my goodness, speak with the tongue of men and of angels I don't, I don't know what kind of music we had but God heard it and I remember in our Brasilancia church in the northern zone we were praying God God, that you would send a musician that you would send the musician literally walking by the church just say 
you saw in the video there, he saw this old man walking with a guitar on his back. And he said, well, we've been praying to God for a musician. Here's literally a musician walking by. Hey, I see you have a guitar on your back. Yeah, I do. Do you play the guitar? I do. I'm actually a classical guitarist. That'll work. <laughs> He's like, well, that's, that's funny because we got people in the church that need to learn guitar. So you're a guitar teacher. Yeah, I am, Wilson said. Okay, would you mind teaching them? Not at all. I charge, and he went on to talk about what he charges, you know, and we're a small home mission church starting at, the, at, at, at that time. And right he just said, well, you know, I charge, and he stopped. Wilson stopped, and he kind of looked down, and he did like this kind of number. He said, well, that was weird. He's like, what? He's like, right when I went to tell you how much I charge, I felt something stop me. I think it's the Lord telling me that I need to teach your people guitar until they learn how to play, and I can't charge you anything. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Woo. All right. Come on, Wilson. Well, Wilson hadn't been to church. He, he, he was a part of a church, but hadn't been to church in a long time. And he would come before services, teach guitar, and he would leave. But slowly he started staying around. And um, he would stay around the church, and he knew what we believed. And uh, there was one service. He was there, and he had been kind of in and out. You know, he wasn't really a part of the church at all at this point. We weren't putting pressure on him, like, hey, you need to be a part of the church. But internally, he was praying and he was seeking God. He knew he needed to get his life right, but he also didn't know if he agreed with what our church church was teaching about scriptural baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And he said one service, and this was after service, but before service, he came to the service. He said, God, I, if this is my church, I want you to show me that this is my church. I want you to do something that I will know that this is my church. And what did you believe in that service? We had probably 30-some people or whatever. I just felt like, you know what? God's going to do something. God's going God's to provide a miracle for someone's life. I said, if you have a, a, a need in your body, I believe it's going to heal you. And I don't do that every service, but I just felt this, this special unction in that moment. And Wilson came up, and I didn't know about this problem he had, but he had a torn rotator cuff, so he couldn't really lift his arm above his shoulder's height. And he came up to the altar, and he was the first one, maybe the only one that went to the altar and needed healing. And he told me what was affecting him. I said, okay, Wilson, I can't do anything about that. I'm not a doctor. But I know the one who is able to heal and restore. And do you believe that God can heal you? And he said, yes, missionary, I, I believe that God can heal me. I said, okay, it's one thing to believe that God did it in the past. It's another thing to believe that he's going to do it now. Can you imagine? And I told him, you know, close your eyes, Wilson, and I want you to imagine what would happen if God healed you right now. Because a lot of times our faith has to start somewhere. We have to, we have to see it. So now imagine that you can move your arm about and it's, and it's free. Can, can you see yourself doing that? He said, yeah, I can see it. I said, okay, now we're going to pray for you. And at the end of this, I want you to begin to worship God. I don't want you to beg for healing. Just worship him for the healing because you're already seeing it. So I want you to worship him in advance for that. And at the end of the prayer, we said, in the name of Jesus, on the authority of the word of God, you put there in nome of Jesus Christ, and on the power in the name of Jesus. I bind the pain that is in his rotator cuff. And in the name of Jesus, we lose healing right now. And I said, right now, worship him. When he began to worship him, his arm went straight up. And it wasn't just that healing that took place that day, but 
he began to speak with another tongue and he said hey pastor this was the sign I was saying God if this is my church that you'll show me that this is my church and I want to I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus and all of that happened why because one day a man with a guitar was walking in front of the church and we were saying okay God you can do more God's restored so many families. He's done so much. I, I could be here all day telling you the stories. Just say, the pastor of the Brasilandia Church, who's my Bible school student in 2015, before that, he was the guy in the back of the church that would come in drunk. He was literally drinking himself to death. He had, he had these, these, these tumor things that would show up all around his body. And one day he was so drunk out of his mind, he was out of it that he took a drill bit ball that was on his hand to pop it and, and he went down into the bone and they took him to the hospital all this kind of stuff and the doctors just told him they said if you don't get your life right the doctor said I should put you away right now in a mental institution straight jacketed it was a wake up call next service he went to church and his family's wife was about to divorce him his kids were not in church nothing, nothing was going his way he had an awful testimony but he came to an altar and said, God, I'm done with this life. God, that you would move in my life. In that moment, he said, when he gave his life to Jesus, he felt it, it that the desire to drink left him. He never touched a bottle again. But then God filled him with his presence and he was baptized in the name of Jesus. And he didn't stop there. He then went to Bible school. He was one of my students in Bible school. And it didn't stop there. His family didn't come into church all at once, but he began to lead his family by example. His kids used to have to bail him out of jail. But now he's leading them by example. Now he's pastoring that church that we started in that northern zone of Brasilandia. His daughters were not in church when he started coming and he would pray and say, God, that you would save my family, save my daughters. One daughter, Jessica, married or, or had a child with a man named Lucas. She started coming back to church with her child. Lucas wasn't coming, her boyfriend, but surely Lucas began the same trajectory as just say his father-in-law, future father-in-law, started coming. He was the guy that would like run away from pastor, you know? Like, hey, Luke, hey, Luke, it's good to see you. He'd like run the other way. But he would just pray, just say, pray, God, save my family, save my family, save my family. Now, Lucas, who didn't want anything to do with church, he's in church and he's the youth pastor of that church. What are you saying? I'm saying God has more in store for you and your family that you can even imagine if you will believe and if you will trust him. Can we stand all across this place? What we read in John chapter 7 was the promise of God for more. On the great day of the feast, Israel would go around and they would, it was the feast of the tabernacle, it was the water rite, they would praise God for what he had done in the past, his past provision in the desert. They would get a, a vase of water and they would bring it over from the pool of Siloam and they would pour it out on the altar and it would be this whole great celebration and moment of what God had done. And it was this awesome, awesome celebration. And there was joy and rejoicing and, and all of that that would happen. And they would 
celebrate in Zechariah 13 and 1 that says, And on that great day there will be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from unrighteousness. And they would sing in Isaiah, Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the water. Joyously draw up from the springs of salvation. They would, they would recite this on that day of the great feast. But on this day of the great feast, Jesus stood up on a high place and in a very loud way declared, things are going to be different. Behold, if any man thirsts, let him come. You know what I love about that? Is the condition on coming to the Lord is just being thirsty. It's not put on your Sunday best, sing all the songs in key, in tune. No, it's if you're thirsty, come. You know what the amazing thing about thirst is? And I've been in the northern part of the Amazon where they, 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 they get you some water and it's brown. And they'll drink that. Now, I won't drink it. I'll, oh, thank you so much. I'm actually good. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not drinking that. But for someone who's thirsty. If you want God to move in your life like he's never moved before, you got to ask, what's... What's substituting your thirst? What is going into you that is taking you away from his presence? Because there's nothing like the water that comes from the altar. There is nothing like the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you might be able to substitute it for this other stuff, but you're just going to be thirsty again. But if you're thirsty, he said, I'm going to come to you. And you'll never thirst again. And then he says, you know, as they're pouring out this water on the altar, this quantifiable amount of water, they're just pouring it out there. He said, there's a promise of a water that's not going to fit in a vase. It's going to spring up. It's going it's to just flow and grow. And it's going to be a spigot. And you know the thing is, is it's not going to be something you're going to be able to control and turn on and off. Sunday, all right, flow river. Not, not so much. I said, no. It's going to flow in you for you first. It's going to heal you. It's going to restore you. It's going to refresh you. It's going to give you his spirit. That's, what the, that, that, that's the first promise of the Holy Spirit. But the second part is that it's going to flow now out of you for others. Some of you may have come to an altar one day and you drink from that water and you've been filled but you're wondering why you feel bad is because you're bloated. Because God didn't fill you up just to fill you up. He filled you up so that you could overflow and so that you could flow his river and his spirit for others. All across this place, could you close your eyes and lift up your hands? Come on, you may not be able to control it. It's not a vase you can just carry around. It's not something you can just turn on and off. God is wanting more for his church. He's wanting more for the mission field. He's wanting more for Bloomington Normal. And right now, if you believe God for more, I want you to come up to this altar, every eye closed. If you need healing in your body, I want you to come up. If you've not yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in another tongue, it is the promise of God for you and for your children, for all those that are far off. Yeah, that's right. Come on. I want you to come down. I want you to lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Come on. I wonder if we can just lift up a cry and say, oh, Jesus, I'm here. 
Oh, God, that you would move in my life. Come on, is there anybody that needs their marriage restored? Is there anybody that needs God to move on their situation? I'm telling you right now in this house, God has more for you. Are you going to believe Him? Are you thirsty? Hallelujah. That's it. Lift up your voice. Lift up your hands. Oh, Jesus, we want you. We need you more than ever before. Come on, all across this place right now. Don't believe in the word of the enemy. The enemy is telling you that things are the way they are and they, they're going to continue being what they've always been. But I've come here to tell you this morning that God is promising you a new beginning. Come on. He has greater things for his church. All across this place. In the name of Jesus, on the authority of the word of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus, we bind doubt and fear everything that is not of you in this house. In the name of Jesus, and right now, God, we lose a moving God, healing, pouring out of your spirit in this house. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that everyone that has come here with a sickness, with anxiety, with depression, with fear, in the name of Jesus, that they will be freed from that. Come on, begin to worship him. Yes, that's it, in the name of Jesus. Come on, just let him break through a little bit. Just begin to worship him in anticipation for what he's doing. Come on, he's doing it. He's moving. Oh, he's going to set someone free today. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord.